I was but a youth of about 20, um, I dropped out of college because I already knew everything. Uh, I moved back to Portland, Oregon and got a job and moved back in with my parents, much to my dismay. Uh, so when my employers asked me to house sit for them over the Christmas holidays, I jumped at the chance. Um, my brother and sister-in-law came down from Seattle to spend Christmas with my parents and myself. So they stayed with me at my employer's house. But we had all been over at my parents uh, for Christmas Eve festivities, and uh, uh, we left late. And my brother and sister-in-law had a stop to make along the way home, so um, they were going to be about 15, 20 minutes behind me. So I got back to my employer's house alone. And I'm uh, rummaging through my purse for my keys, and I can hear the dog inside, and she's just barking and barking. She's just barking up a storm. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking, man, she really has to go to the bathroom. So I'm unlocking the door, and uh, I get it unlocked, and I'm pushing and pushing. I can't get it open. It's stuck in the jam or something. I, I don't know what's going on. So I, I'm looking at the door, and all of a sudden it opens all on its own, and the dog whooshes past me and off into the night. And I'm thinking, she really did have to go to the bathroom. And, and I turn in, to go into the house, and there's a guy standing there. And he, it's dark. And I'm thinking, oh, it must be the neighbor, of course. Uh, so I introduce myself. I say, hi, I, I'm, I'm Chris. I'm the house sitter. And, uh, and the guy grabs me, and he pulls me inside, and I, I'm tripping over uh, the television and the, and the stereo equipment. Uh, there's a record player, and, um, and, and all this stuff piled up by the front door, and I'm thinking, I don't think this guy is the neighbor. And, and I start screaming, and he clamps his hand over my mouth, and I bite down really hard on his hand, and now he's yelping, and I'm screaming, and I'm doing all my karate moves, and I'm kicking. And uh, another guy comes up from downstairs, and he's got a can of something in his hands, and he rips off my glasses, and he starts spraying my eyes with this can. And now my entire focus is right here. In, in my eyes, they are on fire. They are burning. I swear to you, there were flames shooting out of them. And I'm crying, and the robbers take this opportunity to lay me down on the floor. One of them holds me down. The other one goes and gets the sheets off the bed, and he rips up the sheets, and they tie me up. They bind me hands and feet. And now, the downstairs robber can go back to his uh, robbery duties. And the upstairs robber stays with me, and he goes and gets a washcloth and uh, gets it wet. I'm still whining and crying and complaining about my eyes. So he lays it across my eyes, and he's like sponging out my eyes. And, and I'm, I'm feeling a little better now. And, and I, I said, what? what did you spray in my eyes? And he says, it's turpentine. It, it stings like a son of a gun, but there's no permanent damage. So now I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm not going to be blind forever, just temporarily. Um, and, and I'm kind of feeling kind of guilty now because I really did bite his hand really hard. And so I apologize for biting his hand. And he says, well, you know, it's just kind of an occupational hazard. These things happen. And he goes off to finish up his robbery duties and leaves me there on the floor with a little washcloth over my eyes. So um, I'm laying there and I'm thinking about that guy coming upstairs with just a can of turpentine in his hands. That's his only weapon. And, and I'm thinking, you know, that's pretty amazing. And I asked the guy, I say, you guys don't have any guns, do you? And he says, yes, we do. <laughs> that ends the uh, chit-chat portion of, of the robbery. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm now lying there um, silent 
And I hear my brother's car on the hill. Oh, yeah, my brother. So I tell the guy, hey, uh, that's my brother's car. I know it's a Saab 99E. It's got a fuel injection engine. It sounds a little bit different. I know that's his car. I don't care what you guys take, but just please don't be here when he gets here. Apparently, they think that's a good idea, too. I hear footsteps outside. Zoom, a car goes up the hill just before Tom and Barb pull into the driveway. So I'm saved. The police are called. They come. Uh, they don't find any fingerprints, no footprints. Uh, they find where the guys got in very easily by just pushing up a window. Um, so there's no damage to the house. There's no damage to me. I don't have a bruise or a scratch on me, nothing. Um, the turpentine is fading away, I can see now. Um, so the police tell me how lucky I am that these guys were such professionals. And they, they tell me a few things that could have happened if they hadn't been such pros, and off they go. And now I'm feeling guilty again. My employers uh, entrusted me with their home and it got robbed. And my brother looks at me and he says, are you serious? You stopped the robbery. Here's all this stuff right here. They didn't get anything and the house hasn't been damaged. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm the hero of this story. That's right. And then the dog comes back. And when you think about it, really, the dog was a hero too. She tried to tell me what was going on. I just didn't understand what she was saying. So we're a couple of heroes, yeah. So fast forward a couple of days. The holidays are over. My brother and sister-in-law have gone back to uh, Seattle. And I'm alone in the house with the dog. The heroes are huddled by the fire because uh, Portland has had one of its uh, famous ice storms. Two inches of ice cover everything. Power lines have come down. Thousands of people are without power, including me in the house where I'm house sitting. So we're huddled up next to the fire. And now I realize what those guys really did steal. They stole my sense of security. Because before the robbery, I would have laughed if you'd said anything like that could happen to me. Don't be ridiculous. During the robbery, there was a moment of panic. But, uh, but basically, I, I was pretty calm. Those guys really were pros. But now we're after the robbery. I know what can happen. I know it can happen easily. And I've got the wind and the tree branches breaking off from the weight of the ice, and there's all kinds of noises outside. I've got nothing to distract me. There's no television, uh, no radio to cover up some of those noises. It's just me and the dog by the fire in the dark, waiting for the next person to break in. And it could be a robber or a rapist or a killer. A robber, a rapist, a killer. Oh my, three days of this, sitting by the fire in the dark, huddled up, shivering from fear and from, and from cold. And it was terrifying. Those were the worst three days of my life. It was horrible. But eventually, my employers did come home. They sent me back home to my parents' house where I never complained about living again. <laughs> uh, I survived and I lived to tell the tale. <laughs>